0: All things may change, but they never die. This is Sojourners, a podcast dedicated to shining light on the old ways and on those who travel them. We will be, in addition to performing interviews, going through certain works. Ovid's Metamorphoses contain numerous myths and observances on the human condition and on the gods. Several actions taken by both mortal hand and divine may seem cruel hateful or even wicked to many hearts. I will not repeat the folly of Arachne and present the sins of Olympus, but I shall not leave out what has been written. And now, we will discover the Metamorphoses, and if the muses are kind, they will lend me their skill to make known and make alive again words that were first written millennia ago. One of the main themes in the Metamorphoses is change. All things may change, but they never die. The metamorphoses starts with the creation of the elements, and the way the elements turn to baser forms, and thereby the cosmos and life are created. This is in strict agreement with the laws of vibration, and can also be seen as evolution. The tale does not begin with man, but this is where we shall begin. Humankind was born. Either the Creator God, the source of the better world, seeded it from the divine, or the newborn earth just drawn from the highest heavens still contained fragments related to the skies, so that Prometheus, blending them with streams of rain, molded them into an image of the all-controlling gods. While other animals looked downward at the ground, he gave human beings an upturned aspect, commanding them to look toward the skies and upright raise their face to the stars, so that the clay that had been a mere moment ago uncarved and imageless changed and assumed the unknown shape of human beings. Here it is shown the path man is set to take, given form and flesh, yet born of the cosmos. Knowing he must endure many troubles on this earth, Prometheus was kind. He gave man, above all other things, he gave him a way to see his home. All he must do is raise his face to the sky, and he will be reminded that home is not so far away. It is as close as a glance. A note on humanity. There are several times humans are created, whether from rocks or serpents' teeth as the men of Thebes, but this is the first time, and as such it holds special particular significance. A note on Prometheus. Sometimes numbered among the seven of the titans, he was gifted above all others with foresight, He was ever a friend to mortals, stealing fire from Olympus and tricking the gods into the worst share of burnt offerings, thus allowing man to eat the meat. Prometheus was the one who knew which of Zeus's sons would overthrow him, as Zeus had his father before. We will now discuss the ages of mankind. When the Titan Saturn ruled all, before he was deposed by his son Jupiter or Zeus, mankind had a simple existence. This was the golden age that, without coercion, without laws, spontaneously nurtured the good and the true. There was no fear of punishment, there were no threatening words to be read, no crowd of suppliants fearing the judge's face. All lived safely and without protection. No pine tree felled in the mountains had yet reached the flowing waves to travel to other lands. Human beings knew only their own shores. There were no steep ditches surrounding towns, no straight war trumpets no coiled horns no swords and no shields without the use of armies people passed their lives in gentle peace and security the earth also herself freely without the scars of plows untouched by hoes produced everything contented with food that grew without cultivation they collected the berries the cherries and acorns fallen from jupiter's oak tree spring was eternal And gentle breezes caressed with warm air the flowers that now grew without being seeded. Then the untilled earth gave of its produce without needing renewal. To many, this would be paradise, but there were no great or powerful feats accomplished. There is no record of a single man who lived in this time. When man is in a simple state, man is also simple. Let it be noted. That the earth is seen as a goddess. Gaia is her name, her consort, the sky. Saturn, seeking to cheat the cycle of all things, devoured his children so that they would never rise against him. But even so, the innocence of the age was a lie, which was sustained by the sacrifice of the yet young gods. All that seeks to subvert the natural order must, by nature, commit acts that are unnatural, the devouring of the children being evidence of this, but it is not as we may suppose a sad thing for things to end, for all things may change, but they never die. When Saturn was banished to Tartarus, and Jupiter ruled the world, then came the people of the age of silver that is inferior to gold, more valuable than yellow bronze. Jupiter shortened spring's first duration and made the year consist of four seasons—winter, summer, malleable autumn, and brief spring. The parched air first glowed white, scorched with the heat, and ice hung down frozen by the wind. Then houses were first made for shelter. Before that, homes had been in caves, dense thickets, or under branches fastened with bark. Then the seeds of corn were first buried in Gaia's skin. And bullocks groaned, burdened under the yoke. Now, Saturn is deposed by his son, and there is a lot that goes into that. But we're not going to cover that now, because that really deserves its own story. It's Jupiter's revolution. It has Poseidon, it has Hades, it's a really great story, and it deserves full attention. But, for now... We need to get through the ages of man and build the framework on which we can use to understand the metamorphoses. After Saturn is deposed, mankind turns to darker inclinations. The gods ruled and dwelt among man now and exercised judgment and blessing, teaching the yet innocent mankind their virtues and perhaps their flaws. Zeus was the strong ruler who from the beginning fought always for life and was full of living tempestuous Poseidon, who commanded the waves in the sea, and even today there are those who feel his call. There was Hera, the dignified queen, the avenger of wronged women, and the guider of women through childbirth and life. There was Demeter, who taught men to grow all manner of food, and taught them mastery over the plow and the field. There was Hades, who rules in the underworld, not as a figure to be feared, but as long-awaited peace, where heroes may rejoice in Elysium his palace, and where the wayward and tortured ones may perhaps drink of the rither Styx, and remember their sorrow no more. And lastly there was Hestia, goddess of hearth and of home, the things most dear to pure hearts, and so easily overlooked until they are gone. Third came the people of the Bronze Age, with fiercer natures, Ready to indulge in savage warfare, but not yet vicious. Then came the harsh iron age, when every kind of wickedness erupted in this age of baser natures. Truth, shame, and honor vanished. In their place were fraud, deceit, and trickery, violence, and pernicious desires. They took sails to the wind, and though the seamen yet had poor knowledge of their use, And the ship's keels that were once pine trees resting peacefully atop the mountains now were forced and coerced to leap through the waves of the sea the land that was once common to all as is the light of the sun and the air was marked out to its furthest boundaries by wary surveyors not only did mankind demand the crops and the food of the rich soil owed them but they entered the bowels of the earth and excavating brought up the wealth it had concealed in Stygian shade. This wealth incites men to crime. And now harmful iron appeared, and gold more harmful than iron. War came, whose struggles employed both, waving clashing arms with blood-stained hands. They lived on plunder. Man was not safe with friend, relative with relative. Kindness was rare between brothers. Husbands longed for the death of their wives. Wives for the death of their husbands murderous stepmothers mixed deadly asinite, and sons inquired into their father's years before their time. Piety was dead, and virgin Astrea, last of the immortals to depart, herself abandoned the blood-drenched earth. Let it be noted that there are additional gods born in this time, such as Ares, the god of war and slaughter. His Roman name would be Mars, now we see man changing, and they descend into hatred and violence. The gods lead the earth. Whether their presence was directly responsible or indirectly for man's state cannot be said. The listener will have a much better opinion on the matter after the metamorphoses are finished. This, however, is a demonstration of the energies of life unfolding. That energy was present, and it transports itself to that which is no longer present to our senses. The gods that perhaps once were among us, depending on how you see the gods, are no longer. They are imperceptible, these gods, whether you want to call them an archetype or an actual person and a being, that's up to you. But regardless, these energies are imperceptible, but they are not gone. They are far from the eyes and far from the touch, but they are near to the heart and to the mind. And as man discovered and learned, his violent nature took hold. Not yet was the time when clever Vulcan, or wise Daedalus, would create wondrous things from iron and earth. Presently, mankind's thoughts were on slaughter. It is because of this mankind is destroyed, swallowed by water in a flood, when King Lycan fed Zeus human flesh and was cursed to roam the earth as a wolf this is where lycanthropes werewolves come from it is a very early source of the myth there are others in different mythologies but that's another thing however it's also worth mentioning that there is a flood this is mentioned because there are a few things that are they're in common across numerous different mythologies and peoples One of the most common things held amongst many is some sort of global catastrophe such as a flood. As man and God, however, continue to unfold, they learn new things, they keep creating. Creation creates, that is the purpose of it, or evolution evolves, whichever framework you wish to operate from, that's fine. And as man evolves... He reaches higher heights, but he can also fall to much, much darker depths. Let it be noted though, as man turned from gold to a man of iron, he became stronger. It is difficult to construct a timeline, and it is arduous for many of the events here. For example, when did Prometheus give man fire? Was it before the gods took, left Earth? Did the gods take fire with them when they left? There are numerous questions and answers are often hidden. It is better to look less for the facts presented and more for the pathway presented. Every truth is half a lie. Every lie is half a truth. So, to the pagan mind and those who are interested in paganism, there's certain lessons taught here. and the lessons I draw out are by no means authoritative, and they are no means correct for anyone else. Everyone must find their own path. It is my hope that these will shine perhaps a little bit of light for someone else. Simple innocence and purity was once a state, and it can be again. We could have another golden age, if you will. But a golden age cannot coexist within a heart of iron. This is not in and of itself bad, for when the men were of iron, they chose to build great things, they chose to set sail, they discovered the earth and learned their secrets, but with their own knowledge they destroyed themselves. The lessons here are obvious. Ovid, the author of the Metamorphoses, believed in returning to this more idyllic state, even going as far as to recommend vegetarianism. But the men who lived in this golden age, they never set sail on strange waters. They never learned the secrets of the earth or created wondrous things. They would be closer to beasts than to man, in many regards. And if mankind would have returned to that state, we wouldn't have had the metamorphoses, which have survived nearly two millennia now, written. Man must move beyond his simple innocence to complete his work. It may be, as our hands turn and our hearts turn to iron, we may lose ourselves, but if we stay in the golden age, you and I will never complete the work we set to do upon this earth. And the only way we will ever stay in a golden age would be if we eat our children. And that doesn't mean literally feast on the flesh of your offspring. It means to stop all new ideas, and that's unnatural, to resist change. It's a crime against nature, because nature wants to do what nature does, and that is to create. Creation wishes to create. Evolution wishes to evolve. In early ages, there are few stories of anything happening. But, going with the as evolution wants to evolve, God wants to unfold, creation wants to create. Numerous different ways to phrase the same idea. And, as they unfold, They mirror the pattern of ether, the energy, the Big Bang, the original god, the ain Soth it's sometimes called, the Akasha. It begins with higher forms, and it slowly becomes lower forms, thus matter and element. The eldest of the titans were rulers of such domain as time, sky, night, earth. These are all very broad, very broad aspects and domains. Now, the Olympians, we see a refinement. They have less broad domains. Their children... They rule even less broad, but more defined domains still. Consider Zeus's children, they all have specific domains that are their share in their authority. For example, Ares and Athena are both war gods, but they are quite different war gods. And each one is the child of Zeus. Each one represents a different aspect of war. Mars, or Aries, being slaughter and bloodshed, Athena, being strategy. Mars, the god, also the planet, has a lot to do with that fiery energy. Athena is calculated and strategic. It's both the same father, both gods, two very different aspects of the same domain. This is the framework on which the metamorphoses hang. The changing nature of things, whether they be elements, man, or gods. The Metamorphoses is all about the natural changing of cycles, and by observing these cycles and observing the changes others make, we can tell what we want to change into. Perhaps we will turn into a vicious harpy, perhaps a serpent. There are many such times in the metamorphoses where the ignoble become beasts such as the king lycan and this isn't necessarily meant to be taken literally but it is meant to warn of the destructive nature that our actions can demonstrate and perhaps to find a better path next week we will actually be discussing a dramatic change of a certain nymph named laurel we will discuss apollo how he destroyed the serpent python and we will discuss Cupid who for Apollo's scorn gave him something to remember and we will discuss where the crown of laurels come from. Thank you so much for joining me. This has been Sojourner's Pagan Podcast. I wish you all the best and blessed be.